Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we're talking about the reactive dog this uh, season and I want to let you know the reason why I'm doing the critiquing of this other trainer is not to pick on him, but to show what not to do, what to avoid when you hire a trainer, that you need to do your homework really, really well when you are hiring a trainer. I don't use force. I don't use choke chains. I don't use electronics. I don't use pinch collars. They do damage both physically and mentally and emotionally to animals. And I'm not going to do it. I used to train that way. You guys know it. I learned how to train that way. I learned when I was, I don't know, I think I was 13 or 14 years old when somebody brought me and my dog to a group class and it was all punishment based and it was very, you know, robotic and let's march in a circle and heal and this and that. And it was, you know, punishment based. I had a choke chain and um, I was good at giving corrections. I'm good at giving punishment. I'm not proud of that. I'm just letting you know that I'm good at it. But I wanted to learn a different way. I, and I found out a bit about a different way in a much more effective way. And not only is it a better way, in my opinion, but it's based on science. It's evidence-based. So what that means when I say I use evidence-based methods, it, all it means is that it, it works. It's nothing I made up. It's what people like from what? Like, uh, let's see, Pavlov and Skinner and even beyond Pavlov and Skinner. Let's talk about people like Karen Pryor and Dr. McConnell and um, Marion Bailey and Bob Bailey. Let's talk about these people who were in the trenches, who observed animals and all animals, birds, um, chicken, you know, chickens, um, <clears throat> dogs, cats, dolphins, um, and let's teach them. Let's teach them how to learn. Otherwise, see, when you're using punishment, you're forcing a dog to do, we're just going to talk about dogs, but this goes for all animals. You're forcing a dog to um, comply with you in a way that um, maybe they don't want to, but you're like, I want you to sit. And when I want you to sit and I tell you to sit, you better sit. And if you don't sit, and this will be a corrective, um, uh, a correction, all right? Like a trainer who uses force. If you don't sit, I'm going to jerk pop you. And at the same time, I am going to do one of two things. One, I'm either going to push down on your ass or two... And I wish I could show you this, but picture standing and here's the dog and the person takes this leg and goes around and hits the dog on the ass with their foot. And it's like, oh, the dog is freaking startled, right? And plus you could hurt your dog doing that. Um, but the, the, the uh, thought process is that, oh, the dog's not going to know where it came from. And I just, he just sat and you're like, oh, good boy. You didn't teach your dog anything. What you're doing when you do that type of correction where you've jerk popped your dog with the leash and the collar and you've either pushed down on their butt or you've, you know, done the little kick behind you and behind them so they're startled. What you've done is just 
punishment, but also what you've done is you've taken the opportunity for your dog to actually learn. And it's so much easier and so much more fun to watch your dog learn and to watch your dog get it. It's one of the most exciting things for me is when I start talking to a client and we're starting a training session and we're just waiting for the dog to offer something and they do and it's like oh my god the dog got it and they get so excited and the dog is happy and everything's so much easier so why not just do it that way it's easier it's less stressful for everybody so start using food in your training and i encourage you to use their kibble and what i suggest doing is if you like bacon or you know, something, something like that. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, all the vegetarians and vegans, but I know that there's like different options for, um, um, plant-based, uh, uh, plant-based bacon and that type of thing. Just make sure all the ingredients are okay for dogs, but I want you to fry up a piece of bacon and get like a whole bunch of, you know, food, like maybe get like eight, 10 cups of food, put it in a container and stick that piece of bacon in the center and close it up for a couple days. And what's going to start to happen is that dog food is going to take on the smell and the flavor and the grease of the bacon. And your dog's dog food now just got kicked up a notch, okay? This is the best way to get you guys to use food for them, their, their dog food in the training, because... First of all, they're quite literally working for their food and um, it just kind of kicks it up a little bit. But I also want you to, you know, mix in some, maybe some little Bill Jack treats, little soft ones, the little Jacks, because they're a little tiny. Even if you have a gigantic dog, I don't care. Just use little treats. Um, they'll go a lot further. So if you're going to hand feed your dog, which I highly recommend, and I have several of my clients hand feeding and feeding out of Kongs and puzzles. Um, if you're going to do that, you're really going to start creating a completely different relationship with your dog. Why am I spending all this time talking to you about using food in training is because I just want to let you know that just because a dog is aggressive doesn't mean you should be aggressive back to them. I know it's what we all were taught, but it's so old and outdated. It really is. There's so much information out there about how to train dogs without using force. And it's interesting to me that this way of punishment is, you know, of, of training dogs with punishment is just alive and well man you know like it's going strong there's so many trainers out there like the one i critique so many trainers out there so many people out there who think that that's the way to go but it's not especially when you're dealing with behaviors here's why why don't i want to punish my dog that's growling because i want my dog to growl because i want my dog to let me know hey i don't know what's going on over there but I don't like it and we should just go a different way or whatever. And then you can leave instead of a dog who's not growling, who's not showing anything because you've shut them down with all the punishment. And then all of a sudden you have a little time bomb and your dog just reacts and boom. I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten phone calls from people and from clients who have said they, I don't know what happened, Maria. They just, all of a sudden they just 
spit this person. They didn't growl. They didn't do anything. And it's because those cues that your dog is giving you, that's their way of communicating. That's their only way of communicating to us. They, that's their texting, okay? They can't pick up a phone and be like, oh, let's see, let's text. No, it's growling, it's crying, it's whining, it's barking, it's everything. It's the hair up, it's the, it's the ears back, it's the ears, ears down, it's the tail down, it's the tail wagging happy go lucky. It's the scared dog. It's, it's everything in their body. Um, that's communicating to you that we cannot shut down. And you really, I implore you to stop using punishment and to use science. You know, it's really important because if you have, especially if you have a reactive dog, if you have an aggressive dog, you're only going to make things worse. It, you know, what happens is it becomes a power struggle. And it's you and the dog and you're like, I'm going to win because I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. I'm the human. You better comply. I don't want to do X, Y, and Z. I shouldn't have to do, I shouldn't have to use treats. I shouldn't have to have, my dog should just listen to me because I, I don't know why. I mean, maybe you guys think like we're so special as humans, but we're not, you know, we're, especially if we're not even like having our dog just do basic things for us, you know, like, you know, sitting when you feed them, like I explained before. Um, and I just, I just, you know, don't think it's necessary for us to continually punish our dogs for things or punish them at all for things that they're just doing because they're dogs. And that's what dogs do. We need to learn how to communicate with them. We need to teach them how to learn. And you can do that very easily with using food in your training. So I encourage you to, um, you know, find a trainer that uses science. And let me just tell you this, because positive reinforcement is such like a buzz phrase, um, there are plenty of trainers who will say, um, I use positive reinforcement in my training. And let me tell you about a case that I just did, not a case, an intake that I just did for a rescue group. It's a year and a half, about, about a year and a half. They don't know exactly how old, how old this dog is. Um, he is, uh, he was in intact male and the person found him across the street, uh, in Florida, in a rural part of Florida. Um, that person did whatever she could to find, uh, previous owners, no luck. So the dog was super friendly in the beginning, ran right up to her, no problems. Um, and this dog was found in, I'm just looking at my notes in November. The dog was not chipped. Like I said, the dog was intact. Um, the vet kind of says maybe about a year and a half old. I'm not really sure with, you know, but they probably looked at the dog's teeth and, and sometimes that's a really great way to tell if, especially if they're younger, you can tell a lot by coloration, shape of the teeth and how far they're descended into their mouth. But let's fast forward a little bit. This dog bit, uh, roughly nine times, two to three times per person. So four people, 
Um, one was a friend. Two, were, uh, there were two family members um, that were bitten. And the last one was they were on vacation, boarded the dog at the vets, and the vet tech was, I guess, medicating him. I didn't get all the information because she was kind of holding it all close to the vest, you know. I don't think she wanted anybody to know exactly how many times the dog bit um because he or uh, she originally shared with a re this rescue group that he bit i think maybe once and he was younger and then all of a sudden when i talked to her she kind of just opened up and told me all this stuff and I'm, I'm taking my notes and i'm like oh my god this dog is really a hard dog for her so I'm telling you all this because, and I don't know what's going to happen with this dog. I just want you guys to know that. I'm telling you all this. Here's Bella panting away. I'm telling you all this because she said, I just hired trainers. We're starting in two weeks. I asked the name of the trainers. She gave me the information. She said they use positive reinforcement. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah, can I have the name? Yep. Gave me the name of the company, the name of the trainer. So, of course, I looked them up. And there were a few red flags. The first red flag was they only have 90% of their website as Belgium Alamois. Those are protection dogs, um, especially here in Florida. This is very huge to train dogs. Malinois for protection. Um, they're military uh, nothing against the military, so don't come at me for saying that, okay? Um, they're people who train military dogs in a specific way. Um, it's not the only way to train a military dog, but whatever, I digress. Um, and I just couldn't tell what kind of collars they were wearing. A lot of collars are nylon, but underneath they're pinch collars. I'm sure you've seen those, and if you haven't, start looking around um and i just started reading through everything reading and reading on their website and i finally found it under i think it was behavior modification and i said they use positive this was the only place that they said they use positive reinforcement training by the way on their whole entire website which was multiple pages probably like 20 pages well at least that i found so this is the only place um you know, and it described under behavior modification, a dog who was unruly um, and being a problem dog. And if that, you know, didn't work, they also used correction and force. And it literally said that. And I was like, so I took a screenshot, circled it in red and sent it to this person. And I said, I know you already paid them $1,000 for two weeks. $1,000, um, and that it's non-refundable, but I encourage you and implore you to do not let them use force on your dog because it'll make it worse. Your dog will get so much worse. I don't know what's going to happen. Rescue can't take the dog. She can't rehome the dog. She doesn't want the dog. He's actually currently on a bike quarantine.
because he just bit the uh, the vet tech while they were away on vacation, which prompted the call. So I guess, let's see, November, December, January, February. She's only had this dog for three months. Um, he has not bitten her. He loves her. So you've got some resource guarding. You've got some reactivity. Um, and this is a dog who is the perfect candidate to be trained using science, using food, getting the dog to come out the, of its shell, so to speak, and getting it to start learning and thinking and not being so defensive, you know, not being so scared of everything. Um, and the dog is currently on Prozac. And they've been on, I think she said, 25 milligrams. I'm looking at my notes, like 25 milligrams. Um... And the dog has been on it, on Prozac for three weeks. I don't know if that's the right medication for the dog. Um, I'm not a veterinarian behaviorist. I'm not a veterinarian. Um, but sometimes with medications, they might not be the right medication. So you should meet with a veterinarian behaviorist that knows what's going on in a different classes of drugs the latest drugs there are a lot of new well not a lot but there are several new drugs um behavior drugs on the market um and it's important to talk to a veterinary behaviorist that can guide you appropriately and you need to do your own research you can't just go blindly in like find out what the drug is indicated for you know is it aggression is it Troy's opening <laughs> Troy, are you opening the curtains, checking things out out there? Anyway, find out the indications. You know, um, some drugs can be used for certain behavior issues. And some drugs just don't make any sense for the behavior issue, okay? Um, so you need to just get out there, educate yourself online through evidence-based um, research, like different colleges like Cornell or Tufts uh, University. Um um, just to see the data that's out there on the drugs and how it works in different dogs. But with that all being said, you also need to use um, uh, behavior modification. You can't just put a dog, I mean, you can, but just putting a dog on a drug for behavior, but not treating the behavior at all is just, just crazy. Because... Again, you're not doing that dog or yourself any services by just doing it halfway. Um, and, you know, not all dogs can be saved uh, behaviorally. And that is the sad reality. And the other sad reality is that most of this, if not all, maybe not all, because you, you do have to look at genetics um, but, you know, a lot of it can be avoided if you start at the front end when they're puppies, um, and not when it's too late. Like, it might be too late for this dog, and he's so young, man. He's young. He's a purebred dog. Um, you know, 
whoever had him obviously dumped him and, you know, just didn't want to deal with him anymore because he's a problem because he bites. He bit nine times in three months. That's a lot. And he did damage. He bit through clothing. He left marks. Probably, I didn't see the bites, but I can maybe guesstimate, maybe like level one, two-ish, maybe. Uh, leaving marks, biting through clothing and leaving marks. Um, and, you know, breaking skin might be a little bit more if it's through clothing, might be a three. Um, and leaving marks and breaking skin is probably a three. But, and, you know, you also have to account for how, the depth of the, the marks and stuff. But this person doesn't want to keep the dog that she found, right? She's got, I think she did, she's got three other dogs. Um, and she's like, what am I going to do with him? You can't rehome the dog because you're liable and that's just would be mean to do. The dog is on house arrest right now with the county. Um, and, you know, apparently she's going to try these trainers who use force. And I told her to stay in touch with me. I'm probably going to reach out to her tomorrow. I'll, I'll give you guys an update next uh, next week. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I talk to you about all this stuff because I really do care about you. And I do care about your dogs. And I want everything just to be better. I want things to be better for you. And I want things to be better for the dogs. I don't want dogs like this guy to be euthanized for behavior. Being euthanized for behavior is uh, really... It's, it's... Especially when it can be avoided. is really, really sad. Um, I think that we can do better as humans to our dogs and I think that as trainers I know as trainers we can do a thousand times better with our clients dogs especially if you're a trainer that's using force there's no reason to use force anymore there really isn't there's no excuse um you know just you just have to be open to learning science and methods that actually work and um, listening to behaviorists and veterinary behaviorists and brilliant trainers that are out there that uh, I've learned from and I've had the pleasure and the honor to study with over the years. Um, and I just encourage trainers to do that. Like I said, I used to be a force trainer, but once I learned about other ways of training I was blown away man I was just blown away so um you know I, I can go into that on some other episode about the training techniques and that type of thing that I learned but basically you guys thanks so much for listening I know it went on this is a longer podcast this week but there's a lot to be said and this was just in my face with, I just talked to these people a few days ago and, you know, they're probably going to have to euthanize the dog. Uh, one more thing, uh, the, the woman thought, you know, he's already aggressive. So maybe somebody, you know, like the police or the military or these people who teach protection, uh, can, um, you know, use him for that. And it's like, it, no, it doesn't work that way. 
you know, just because a dog is aggressive doesn't mean they're a good working dog. It doesn't mean that at all. <laughs> the dog is aggressive for other reasons. Like, there's so much there. There's so many layers. It's just not going to work. You know, you can't take a dog that's presenting with aggressive uh, behaviors and tendencies and then turn them into a protection dog for the police and turn them into a canine dog. You just can't do that. It just doesn't work like that. They're aggressive for different reasons, you know. Um, and... You know, we'll meet again next week. I really appreciate you guys. I don't know if you've listened this far into it. You probably haven't. I think my family does, but, you know. Anyway, keep liking, keep sharing, and subscribing. This is all for the dogs. This is not about me. This is about them and you guys. So, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Please share, like, share, and subscribe. Leave me reviews. Because I am really trying to grow this podcast so that I can reach as many people as possible. I know it's kind of messy. I've got weird backgrounds. I don't have a polished studio. But honestly, I don't care. Because it's more important to get this training information out to everybody um, that I can. So that's my goal is to help as many dogs and as many people as possible with their dogs. So thanks for listening. I appreciate it and I'll see you next week.